All right. So, you know, when you work on a, on a hard problem and, uh, and then you have your aha moment and you fix it and you get that endorphin hit, when you find out that, well, actually the problem isn't on your side at all and it wasn't for you to fix, you kind of like you're robbed of that. <laughs> like there's relief that I don't need to work on it anymore, but there's not a, aha, I'm actually very clever and I fixed it. <laughs> Welcome to GCP Life, episode number 15, a show where we discuss Google Cloud and tech. This show's sponsor is Kazna, and I am your host, Stephen Bancroft. On today's show, Google files for bankruptcy, Google gets a new APAC leader, Google is gearing up for Web3, and we take a look at some new GCP security tools and features. But before we get to any of that, I want to introduce the freshly caffeinated co-host that's with me all the time. It's Dave Wall. How are you going, Dave? I am. I'm better. As you said, I feel significantly better after a couple of cups of coffee. So, yeah, so, uh, yeah. I, know, I know you've been pulling a few late nights too, so good on you, mate. Good on you. Yeah, no worries. Thanks, mate. <laughs> See, uh, the, the reward will be there at the end, right? You know, nice, yeah, another successful project. Another successful project. Let's just say... What what would the pro tip be today from from this week? I think I think the pro tip would be before you start any work on any environment, know what that environment should and shouldn't be doing. Yeah, what things are currently broken <laughs> in the environment broken. before we touch it? <laughs> the, that, exactly. Because yeah. if they're still broken afterwards, then that's that's then what they're supposed to be. That's that's okay, <laughs> right? <laughs> So yeah, get a get a good. I mean, it's a, it's a good change practice, right? Like before you do any changes or do a migration, get a good baseline. Know what should be working, what shouldn't be working. Do your pre-change tests, do your change, and then do your post-change tests, and everything should match, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be the pro tip from this week. Yeah, um, that's a good one. It is. Yeah, I um I've been you know I'm, I, I've been playing around with. I'm I'm an old Amiga boy from back in the day, back in the nineties. And uh, I've been looking at this as a little bit of a project. Some some dude on the internet has has gone to the effort of um, taking an Amiga two thousand motherboard yeah. and uh, redesigning it, replanning it, making it fit to an EATX form factor case. Ooh, conventional case. Conventional case. You can put a conventional power supply. You can put all the conventional bits on it, except it's a 30-year-old Amiga. <laughs> so you can build a brand new 30-year-old computer from brand new parts. So I've been looking at that, and I'm, oh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to do it I'd just to, just for the just for the lols, just as a as a fun thing to do. I'll give you a project. You can uh, try and find a way to. Uh Get an NVMe drive to interact with your Omega Two Thousand. <laughs> an NVMe drive. Now that'd be interesting. There are there are a lot of um, a lot of projects around there because the Omega does have like a what's called a Zorro port on it, right? And it's kind of like ISA, right? So it's that kind of standard. Yep. You get a sixteen bit Zorro and there's a thirty two bit Zorro. It's a Zorro three. Um, and there are a lot of um, you know, um, uh, FPGA projects that people have made with an FPGA on it and you plug it in the Zorro board and it just does everything you need. Gotcha, and, right. Right, so it, 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 there's one for um, uh, SD, so you can have an SD card. You put an SD card in there and it comes up like a hard drive. 
Cool. So the FPGA on the on the on the Zorro card acts like a hard drive interface. Um, so there's lots of little hardware mods like that for it. So that's kind of got me interested, and I just like to see what I could do with that system, knowing what it was capable of back in the <laughs> early '90s. Yeah. What you could do with it now—that's <laughs> that would really interest me. That'd be a good. You been up to any? Yeah, uh, yeah. you've you been up to any little. Uh, Tech adventures? Uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm in the middle of um, replacing my uh, my Unify router. I've got a, one of the Unify um, security gateways, but they're they're a really old device. Like they've really been needing a, an update to the product for like four years. People like you can buy bigger ones. You can get the big like whole RU units, but nothing in the smaller form factor. They haven't replaced. Like they still sell them, right? They, mm. You can mm. buy them now, but um, I'm really starting to struggle with like the little CPU that's in it. Uh, like I get dropouts if I'm downloading too much stuff. <laughs> like oh, just, you can't have just that. even just no. having the internet traffic running through it. If I saturate my internet link, sometimes my yeah. router falls over. <laughs> Um, so yeah, looking to replace that with, uh, an OpenSense VM, uh, and running that, um, on my TrueNAS scale appliance. So, yep. Yep. So that's yep. my, yep. that's my project to move as much of that stuff across as possible, but also, uh, in such a way that if, uh, you know, inevitably when things like need to be rebooted and stuff that I don't take like my family off the internet, like if I'm, away, <laughs> if I'm away for the weekend, like oh, actually, yeah, you just don't have internet for a bit. So. You want to use that um, Raspberry Pi Ilom? Um, mm. Someone's there's a, there's a there's a there's a open source kit you can get that turns a Raspberry Pi into an Ilom and remote access to your server and do what you yeah. like. Have at it. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, I'll, I'll find a link and put it in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah, cool. All right. I, you know, personally, I've always just gone for X Enterprise gear when I that I use at home. Old Cisco. Well, when I say old, I mean they're only old because Cisco's end of life and they're perfectly usable. Um, or you know, an, an enterprise server or something. Um, you just got to deal with the fans being really noisy. That's all. <laughs> yeah, the fan thing isn't really a problem in my uh, in my garage. Like that. That's sort yep. of reasonable without it being too obnoxious. So, yeah. Hey, um, did you hear Google has filed for bankruptcy? Yeah, so it's a shame. They had a good run, but- uh- <laughs> They had a good run and that's it's all over. All on. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> filed for bankruptcy in Russia, which doesn't come as a surprise. Yeah, that's um, all the rage right now, right? <laughs> that's all the rage. Authorities seized its bank accounts and made it all but impossible for operations to continue in the country. Um, is this- is this a trend? I mean, uh, you know, are they doing this with all Western businesses? I, I think, uh, I'm not going to say like as, as a blanket statement, but I, th- I think no. it is a bit of a pattern. Um, I mean, Google had been running afoul of Russian authorities for mm. a while with yep. not complying with certain rulings. So, um, it sort of doesn't surprise me to see like, you know, an American business be, you know, them trying to take it, make an example of. Yeah, 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 and and this is, I mean, this would have been high on their list, right? I mean, Google, as you say, they're, they're trying to constantly skirt their laws and push the envelope on what they can do. Um, yep, if they've got the opportunity, I think if the Russian, you know, if the Russian authorities got the opportunity, strike them out, get rid of them. Yeah, um, yeah, but the uh, Android. Gmail, Maps, Search, and YouTube will continue to function, but the Play Store is not, obviously, because they can't do any monetary transactions. Yeah, right. Yeah, you can't buy anything from there, but you can consume the free services. So. Yeah, that's right. 
Yeah. For how long? Well, we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's that's yeah, just another little uh, thing, little little chunk there for Russia to deal with. Um, yeah, interesting situation. That's for sure. I thought we'd um, we'd kick off today's show with a bit of news out of APAC. Google Cloud has hired GitLab's Anthony McMahon to lead the APAC channel. Google Cloud has filled its vacant Asia-Pacific channel leadership role with GitLab Regional Vice President Anthony McMahon. And uh, yeah, unlike his previous, his successor, who was in Singapore, McMahon is in Sydney. Oh, nice. Right here. Yeah. Might run into him at some events. I could run into him. He's probably just here at the Sydney office, um, where I was the other week. It took him four months to find him. Um, he'll take on the role of managing director of Partners and Alliances for APAC. So this affects us directly. Directly, yes. Right? <laughs> us being a partner. Oh, and by the way, did you see when you search now, anyone listening, when you search Google Partners in Australia, in the Google Partners page, uh Kasner comes up first. Top ranking. <laughs> Top ranking. Yeah. So I'll I'll put a link if I can if I can link to the, the search query, I will, but I'll, I'll put a link to the, the search page and you can go search for yourself for, for partners in Australia and you'll see Kasner right up there. Um we um we uh recently just got our uh, infrastructure specialization. And you were heavily involved um, with that. I was involved with that, that's right. I was on the um I was on the uh, talking to the auditor and involved with developing documentation. So that was that was a great feather in our cap to get. So that that appears there now as a specialisation. There's really only a handful of partners that have specialisations, and we're one of them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, Anthony McMahon. Um, I'd I'd say next time I'm at. Uh, Google Google HQ in Sydney, I might uh, might go and say hello to him. It's probably worthwhile. Um, recently, McMahon was at GitLab, uh, the Vice President for Asia, Pacific, and Japan, uh, which he joined in 2019. He's got a long history at HP. He was at HP for about 15 years. And, uh, of course, I did what any any good uh, internet sleuth does, and I went and looked at his LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, he, yeah, he's built up his career basically at HP and, and, and moved across into IT space there. Um, and uh, this, this article goes on to say, um, according to Google Cloud, McMahon will play an important role in helping Google Cloud grow its partnership business, including finding new ways to add value and ensuring partners succeed. So there you go. We've got a new um, head of Partner Channel. Yeah, and welcome aboard if, we, if you happen to be listening. <laughs> I might just flick him a message on LinkedIn and say, hey, hey, we gave you gave you a shout out. Engineer, then gave you a shout out. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so, all right, um, we've had a lot of security news lately too, and, um, Google is not, they're not signed down on the security bandwagon, that's for sure. They've launched, uh, a new service, um, today at the Google Security, uh, Security Summit, Sonny Opoti, who seems to get mentioned a lot, Vice President and General Manager of Cloud Security for Google, unveiled the organization's next step on its invisible security journal journey, uh, launching a new offer called Assured Open Source Software Service. And this is a very exciting thing. I think 
And I, I think what well, was it last week, the last fortnight when we were playing the mm. um, the Kelsey snippets, right? Yeah, the the yeah. something something automation, something something DevOps, right? Yeah, this, you, this ta- you take the exactly from here to and this. there and everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is all about this, right? So, um, this is all about securing the open source supply chain. And my takeaway from this is what they want to do is they want to and. I, they're saying patching security vulnerabilities in open source software often feels like high stakes game of whack-a-mole fix one or two and more pop up. So they want to sort of take open source projects, put them through some sort of security vetting, uh, and then give it a tick of approval, give it some sort of Google tick of approval. And, and this is taking the work that Google does internally for all of their critical systems. Um, because, you know, we all know, every, you spin up a project and you're working on something and someone says, oh, I just, I just pull this library down, just pull this dependency in. Um, and, and you do, and great, my project works and off it goes and then, you know, sits in production for 20 years. <laughs> every time it gets rebuilt, it pulls a fresh copy down from GitHub. Um, but, you know, Google doesn't do that. Anything that's needed in their pipelines, they've, they vet those packages. Yep. And now they're making it available. Yeah, they, they realized that it was, uh, you know, an in-house solution that other people uh, would probably want, and they're commercializing it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which kind of how Kubernetes came about, right? <laughs> True. Interestingly yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and actually, kind of how AWS and the whole cloud thing came about, because my understanding is that's what they were using internally, and they thought, well, let's just, uh, let's just sell this. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, it's a good model. Good model. Um, this might also be, you know, if you've still got a few uh, hangers on, you know, the sort of people who are like, oh, I just don't trust open source, right? It's mm, insecure. Mm. Like, has to be, give me, I, have to, I need enterprise software and a maintenance contract. Like, I think this might hopefully, um, you know, kind of help those people get across the line, go at least, you know, here's like you're using a trusted third party. To you know, help ensure that you know some little sneaky vulnerabilities don't just. Yep, assured OSS helps organisations reduce the need to develop, maintain, and operate a complex process for for securely managing their open source dependencies. Potty said. Um, the article's not really clear exactly how this is going to be implemented, but um, I don't know. I'd imagine something like the container vulnerability scanner that we currently have. So um, I I went through looking into it a bit more this morning, and oh, yeah. um, it, like you're going to get uh, basically secured repositories to be able to pull things from. Um, and everything's going to be uh, analyzed. I think they they're uh-huh. using Cloud Build to run through, and there's going to be like metadata that you can pull down for all the packages. Uh-huh. Um, so they're more or less going to fork existing like GitHub repositories yeah, into their that's, own. That's my understanding. Location, but they're going to put it through their vetting in, in the process. Correct. Yeah. Mm, okay. So it's very cool. Um, I think they said it's going to be in uh, like early access a bit later this year. So you can't get it yet. Um, but I know that I think that's going to be a, a real winner. Because, like, yeah, who, right. who has, like, besides, you know, your Google's sort of scale companies, no one has the resourcing to say, like, yeah, I've got I've got 10 developers and they're using a 1,000 dependencies. <laughs> like, they're working on their product. They can't go through and, and vet all their dependencies down. So. Yeah, that's right. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you got developer time, you've got skills and expertise, you need the storage and the infrastructure to to basically mirror all of GitHub, which is kind of what they're going to end up doing. <laughs> um, hmm, yeah, okay. And um, another security announcement that's been made is the launch of BeyondCorp Enterprise Essentials. Now, this is all about helping organisations get into a zero-trust model. Um, it launches in Q3 of 2022 um, and offers context-aware access controls for applications via SAML. Uh, the solution also enables administrators to monitor users through Chrome dashboards so they can ensure the user's BYOD, remote or hybrid working environments aren't at risk. So this thing in, uh, integrates with BeyondCorp, allows you to put some uh, controls in place uh, just with a simple SAML uh, config. Uh, and allows you to more easily support zero trust. Yeah, right. So, and is this, I wonder if this Essentials one is a bit of a, a like a reduced but easy on-ramp. If you're making those first steps, you're changing from a traditional uh, sort of access I system. I think so, yeah. You, um, yeah, if you, because it, 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 it can be a bit confronting. It's like, what you do, you don't want to have like a, all this VPN and all this whole infrastructure around keeping our environment secure. No, you, you kind of don't need it, right? Yeah. If you've, it's it's if, a whole paradigm. It's a mm, completely different mm. thing. It's it's not something that I know a lot about. I actually I'm interested in learning more about and how you do the migration from one to the other. It, it, yeah, that, that that's a whole discussion for another time. Yeah. But um, you, you need to just think different differently about it, right? You just take the approach that uh, every, everything is external. Yeah, right. Just take kind of the, take that approach and 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 work from there. Yeah. So just to carry on with the um, security conversation. Um, we know that Google Cloud has pledged to invest $10 billion over five years in cybersecurity. Uh, there's an article on Protocol uh, discussing why Google Cloud is providing security for other vendors like AWS and Azure, and you can use their security toolset on-prem as well. Um, they have identified our customer's reality is a hybrid multi-cloud environment. Now, that's what this article says. Now, you know, you know how I feel about that, <laughs> right? Um, I don't think that's my choice. Um, you can see, a, you know, the project we're involved with now, yeah, it's hybrid multi-cloud. Um, but I, that's sort of just because it's grown that way, right? Mm. Uh, is that your take on it, Dave? Well, I don't think it was kind of guided in any way. No, probably more a uh, you know a strategy change part at some point. Through. Yeah, and then you've got this sort of legacy hanger on or stuff that uh, means that you are hybrid or you're a multi cloud. I, I don't think you know if you're going in greenfield and you just had a policy up front that just said I'm going to stay with Google, then then you would really want to avoid uh, hybrid or multi cloud because it's just really difficult to manage um but uh this article here is from they interview chief information security officer phil venables um and he goes on to say um uh, once again referring to assured open source software uh it's a google cloud delivered product but we're just going to do this for things that run on google cloud but sorry we're not just doing this for things that run on google cloud it could be for any software that enterprises consume into their on-premises system or, in fact, other clouds. So that's interesting. It's going to be kind of a standalone thing. 
I think it's actually a it's a really good play on their uh, from there's a I mean obviously they're increasing their addressable market so from an economics perspective it's good uh, yeah. offering yep. simple and easy to consume solutions to help all companies increase their um also improve their security footprint like that's just a, a good guy thing to do anyway yeah it is yeah yeah um but you could also see this as a as a nice way to get some people to maybe adopt. GCP that aren't currently like they might be an AWS shop and they go oh actually but we really want this service from GCP yeah. and then you're consuming one thing once you're consuming one and- thing it becomes a lot easier to, con- to consume ten things <laughs> and then guess what they're multi cloud yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we've gone the other way we've gone <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah um it gets it gets the Google brand in their faces right mm-hmm. gets them talking the name talking the talk um. And then he goes on to say, what we've done at Google for a long time is we don't automatically consume open source software into our critical systems. This is what we're talking about before, right? We take this open source software and then we do a whole series of tests and we find and fix security vulnerabilities before those open source packages are consumed into our software builds. So we saw more organizations over the past year or so become increasingly concerned about open source. These are all these supply chain attacks. I think that's right. That's right. We came up with the idea that we should probably commercialize what we do for ourselves, and thus was born the Assured Open Source Service. This is what we're going to be using very soon, I'd say. Um, And then, uh, I mean, I'll I'll link to this article and the interview here, but one of the things he does call out, which I think we call out every week, is we recognize big challenges customers have around cyber security skills. I don't know if that's ever going to be not the case. Mm. Like, I I don't know if I can see what, even like 20 years from now, right? Like 20 years worth of university graduates, I think they're still going to be having this conversation in 2040. (laughs) Because it's a war, right? It's a leapfrogging battle, Mm -hmm. right? So the- yeah, the 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 uh, exponents, the, the you know the hackers and the and the script kiddies are going to be trying to keep one step ahead, and uh, there's going to be this constant catch up game. <laughs> and some of those people will be ex cybersecurity people as well. <laughs> and white hats, white hats. Sure. sure yeah. <laughs> anyway, you can take a, uh, a look at that uh, interview for yourself. Link in the show notes. We'll move on here. Um, Google Cloud is set to enter Web three. Now, Dave, I thought you could cover this because uh, they talk about crypto in here. I know you're all over the cryptos. <laughs> I, yeah, I think I was uh, saying the other day that I'm 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 a bit in the crypto space, but I'm also like super skeptical about it because there's just so many bad actors. Um, but yeah, so this is an article by I mean, it's clearly going to be a, a pro uh, crypto site. It's NFT Evening. <laughs> Um, oh, there you go. So he's <laughs> very much going to be a proponent. Um, but this is an article by Micah from uh, NFT Evening. Um, it's talking about how Google is forming a, a Web3 team. Um, now, initially, when I sort of first saw this, I'm like, oh, okay, don't tell me now. They're going to have a, a Google coin, and it's, but it's, it's not that. We're not going to be... Uh, um, you know, getting NFTs directly uh, from of Google products. It's not like that, but they are building out um, the backend services. So if I uh, read through here, we've got Google Cloud did not announce the specific products that will be launched by its Web3 division. However, the company appears to be most interested in backend services. There had been a recent survey among hundreds of developers from Stack Overflow 
Of the 585 participants, 85 had not yet made any apps or software that uses the blockchain. Eighty-five <laughs> percent had not haven't even used it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but mind you, of the fifteen percent who had, <laughs> right? How many of them actually built anything that, like, you would actually want to use? They couldn't just be served by like Postgres. <laughs> yeah, any have you done anything worthwhile? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm going to get some hate from this from, crypt- from the crypto community. <laughs> um, yeah. Zaveri said that uh, Google does not try to uh, directly take part in the crypto wave. Um, it will probably create a system that other companies can use. For instance, technology to make it easier for end users to explore and access blockchain data. So I think this is much more in terms of they will back in systems for individual consumers but also for developers right whether it maybe it's it's hosting nodes or you know building out your blockchain services on top of google with their support which yeah. um you know that's my takeaway from that they're going to have some SaaS or pass services that enable, enable you to uh implement blockchain right. more easily and yeah. uh, you know he's hoping that uh you know they'll use that and some of you know all the other sort of security topics that we've been going through earlier today um to just help increase the security of the uh the crypto space as well so yeah it's it, developing it's developing yeah but uh the takeaway is google want uh, want to make google cloud platform the initial choice for web3 developers yeah uh, and blockchain is going to be a big part of that now watch your space on that one i guess yeah um, all right, so let's uh, take a look at a few new features that have come out from Google over the last fortnight. Um, Google have announced general availability of cloud TPUs. I think yeah. we, and it, in one of our early episodes, we talked about the preview of this. So now it's into, into oh. GA, and this is a, a big change in how you actually access the TPUs now. That's right, yeah. Um, Last year, Google introduced cloud TPU virtual machines, which provide direct access to TPU host machines in preview. Today, cloud TPU VMs are generally available, including the new TPU embedded API, which can accelerate ML-based rankings and recommendations workloads. And you're right, it is about the way they access the TPU. Um, With TPU VMs, Workloads that require lots of CPU to TPU communications can now do that communication locally instead of going over the network, which can improve performance. Yeah. So, um, from what I was reading, like previously, you know, you would install your software on a system that's a traditional, you know, CPU-based system. If you needed TPU stuff, you had to go make gRPC calls to, you know, TPU Mm. nodes. Now you can have access to, you know, VMs that have both. Install your own software and, and have that. Yeah, and uh, you just use some of the libraries like PyTorch or Jax uh, to access those TPUs, just like a device would be directly on your machine. Yeah. So that's awesome. Um, mind you, I'm not an AI, embedded AI champion by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, I can see how this would be um, hugely advantageous. Yeah, I mean, it might mean that they don't need to you know, spend as much time on uh, doing engineering around like the networking side of things, you know, if you're just dealing with it locally, it'd be much simpler from a code base perspective. Yep, 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 yep. Um, and another new feature that they've launched, and I thought this was really cool, um, is the Terraform guardrails. Um, Terraform 
G- G- How do we explain this in a simple sentence? G-Cloud beat a Terraform vet. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> an, I, okay. You've, when you're running your Terraform implementation, right? Yes. Normal yes. thing. You might maybe you run a Terraform format and you get your code looking pretty, and then you'll do your Terraform plan and see if what did I just write? Is it going to break everything? Is it going to mm-hmm. crap out on me altogether? Well, well, does it? That's basically just a parsing check, right? At that yeah. point, yeah. Uh, and now you've got a, a nice new additional step of being able to run a vet, which will. Check against your organization's um, Terraform guidelines. Make sure you're not Policy trying library, to, yeah. uh, you know, I guess- Do anything outside the policy. Yeah. You know, maybe you want to have a policy that says, like, a cloud storage bucket cannot be public. And if you try and uh, stand one up in this, it'll go, bow, bow. Maybe you're trying to do yeah. IAM access that's you know, way too broad. And the example that they use here is they want to say every user has to be part of a particular domain. Um, so it, the policy library will have a policy, uh, which uh, the Terraform vet will uh, check against, and it'll uh, make sure that that policy is enforced. Does it does it do the enforcing, or does it just check against the enforcing? Well, I guess it gives you a pass fail at the end. I'll give you right. a pass fail. So I guess right, you'd okay. have so to have that in your check. CICD. Right. Being like, you know, any yeah. any fails, obviously it can't go through to an apply phase. Right. That, yes, you'd have that building your CICD, exactly. Um, and it's just done with a, a JSON file um, and uh, against the public library and bingo, it checks it. So I, I think the big advantage of this would be is you could have this policy library managed by a security team, for instance, yep. and they're the, they're the, you know, and that's coming from, um, you know, corporate policies around that. And you as the developer um, kind of don't, like, normally you'd have to hold all these corporate policies and security policies in your head as you're implementing it, but you now know that it's going to get checked before it gets lands in production mm-hmm or whatever environment, and you know you're going to comply with the policies. Yeah, and you can have that on, you know, you can have it in your pipeline to just be on, like, every commit, go and check this. Make sure I didn't just try and build something that's going to be against policy. It's going to break, yeah, yeah. Really good for auditing, right, and compliance. So good. You, you can just say, yep, all of our Terraform plans go through this uh, Terraform vet, and here's our policy library. Everything matches that. If, if they have a change of policy, they can change it and then – your deploys will be broken in the meantime, but um, you can fix it before uh, before it gets through the gatekeeper, right? Yeah. Yeah, I like this. Uh, I might go and have a little play around with this and um, see what it can actually do. And then uh, moving on with another new feature, um, Cloud SQL um, has launched self-service maintenance. Um, we, all, we know that Cloud SQL already does uh, maintenance. We schedule maintenance for you once every few months during your weekly maintenance window. So you can turn your attention to more interesting matters. However, from time to time, you may find that Cloud Seeker regular maintenance cadence doesn't work for you. So uh, what this allows you to do is set a self-maintenance, and you can you can do a gcloud command and then trigger that maintenance when you're ready. Right. So does right. that mean you really you can bring it forward? Would be the you could bring you could. Uh, I think the, the example that they give here is um, um, they've they put a pause. Let's say that they're doing some release and they put a pause on the maintenance. Uh, 
Um, but then a high security bug comes out and you decide, well, we, we need to take that. Uh, you decide you'd like to go ahead and take care of the issue right away for the next schedule maintenance, which is a few months away. And But what you can actually do is you can decide to run the maintenance window now. Right, okay, because right. previously you'd say like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll take the freeze off on my maintenance and then you just have to wait for it to happen, whereas now- You, you kind of have, have to wait for it to happen, yeah. And then you'd be like, yep. all right, we're doing it this weekend, <laughs> at this <Yep>. time. <laughs> and at the same time, they've launched uh, maintenance change logs. A new section in our documentation describes the contents of the maintenance version released by Cloud SQL. Oh, good. All right, so you can actually go and see what's been done. All right, that's about it for us this fortnight. A lot of new stuff there to take in, Dave. Heaps. I'm I'm really looking forward to that assured open source stuff. Really am. Yeah, and the um, the Terraform uh, vetting looks pretty cool as well. I'm going to go have a play with that during the fortnight. Yeah, sweet. All right, well, anything from else from you, Dave? Uh, no, I'm going to get back to my project and hopefully not have another late night tonight. <laughs> oh, yeah. It just goes on and on, doesn't yeah. it? All right, guys. Look, don't forget to go and write a review on iTunes. Uh, you can find us all over the place now. Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, uh, Google Podcasts. And check out Cast in Between Two Clouds. That's our sister YouTube channel. You can contact us on the email, gcplife at caston.com.au. And we've got the Twitter at gcplife. Uh, I regularly post the show links on my LinkedIn as well, so make sure you go and follow me. I turned on that creator mode, so you can just hit follow now. Oh, you don't nice. have to do the whole friend request thing. Yeah, and of course, today's sponsor is Kasna. At Kasna, we make your Google Cloud solutions possible. And that's about it from us. Catch you in two weeks. See you later. Bye. Well, that was quick. <laughs> that was a quick put. 41 minutes. <laughs> Short and sweet. Short and sweet. Yeah, but it's all right. It can be a short show. It doesn't matter. We had a bumper show last week. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, yeah.